What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the King's Court Podcast, presented by SatKingsNation.com. Joining me this week, he's new to the Sat Kings Nation team. He's written, I believe, three articles now for this site, and every single piece just keeps getting better and better. And the only reason why I'm saying that is not just because of the content, not because I've actually told him personally, like, this is my favorite one you've written. I've emailed him that after reading every single one, but you guys are letting him know it by reading the seeing our page views go up on the site and then interacting with what's in the post whether it be like the polls or the questionnaires the questions or even on the facebook comments leaving all that so i I very much appreciate you guys reading his stuff and without further ado i keep doing this very big intro to say his name the one and only stefan de ferrari joins the show steph how you doing pretty good that was a killer intro like i don't know how i can just beat that with the rest of the podcast i think that was the peak moment right there the climax you know i i, I, I saved it you know I, I didn't want to tell you while we were you know pre-gaming and basically getting our audio all right for this podcast i wanted to like let you know while we were recording while we we're live so i can't edit it out and change it you've been killing it bro the site has been killing it since you've joined so officially welcome you know what i mean i got to give you this applause here because you, you've been just pushing out great content so thank you Yes, I love hearing that. I love hearing that the viewers, you know, like the viewers that are reading the article, that it's going up, it's trending up. And I am so excited. I've got some great pieces that I've um, currently working on. So I've got one on Harrison Barnes. It highlights how good of a coach um, Dave Yeager is and how lucky we are to have him. And I think that one's going to be my next favorite article. And that's one I think that I really hope that the fans are going to love and I'm just really excited to just keep producing content for our uh for our fans. You know Steph, I'm going to throw like the honest ball out here now because we didn't really show prep. We basically said, "Hey, do you want to do a show? What's your times?" because I just really wanted to get you on. Like I and I told you when you came on to the site that I was going to have you on a podcast and I didn't want to lie to you. I wanted to make it 100% true because just talking to you in the brief moments that, that we were able to on the phone and then interacting with you through emails and then reading what you've written, I definitely had to have you on, and I felt comfortable enough to say, hey, let me just start throwing topics that's Kings-related at this guy and just see how he answers it on the fly. Because I want to see how, not just if the stats are going to, because I know you have stats in your head, you're a big stats guy, but I want to see like what your eyes are saying, what your feeling is, being as you were a fan of the Kings. You were a fan of watching this team play, and now you get to write about them and let other people hear your views. I want to hear that first thing that comes to your mind for a lot of this stuff. Although, my first question to you is actually going to be pretty simple, because now, nine games in on Harrison Barnes' you know, uh, Kings tenure here, averaging 12.7 points, 7.1 rebounds, 2.2 assists, what has been your thoughts on the Harrison Barnes fit in Sacramento? Well, like I said, I'm working on an article that's about Harrison Barnes. So I feel prepared for this question. And I love Harrison Barnes and his fit for the Kings, for Dave Yeager. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers, but in my first article that I published when I said, you know, three things you might have missed among the trade deadline chaos Dave Yeager went up to Harrison Barnes in the airport, met him there, and said, I've been trying to trade for you for nine years. And I can see why Dave Yeager wanted him so badly. And, of course, there's a transition period that comes with, you know, every new acquisition at tread deadline. That's no surprise. And I think we saw a little bit. But to begin with, defense. And it's no surprise a lot of people are bringing it up. 
that defensively, the Kings are one of the best defensive teams since the trade deadline, and a lot of it has to do with Harrison Barnes. Now, on the offensive side, it's really shocking when I look at the stats. And so this is going to highlight some of the things I'm going to mention in my article that I'm writing about him. But Harrison Barnes is an elite three-point shooter from the corner. And Dave Yeager is utilizing that. I think Dave Yeager is an an analytic guy. He believes in the stats, and it shows. And so there's that that I love. And we're seeing that his uh, shot selection is much better than that Dallas. I love the way Dave Yeager's using him. And then also, I think we're going to see a smarter Harrison Barnes with the Kings offense. I think he's going to be more involved in pick and rolls and screens and whatnot, especially with him playing as a stretch four. And I think that's going to really open the floor for a driving De'Aaron Fox to kick out the ball. I mean, I'm just so excited. Dave Yeager is getting him more accustomed to the offense. He's being utilized more. We saw that against the Knicks. He put up a season high for the Kings. I think it was 20 points, 22, if I remember yeah. right. So, 22 points, 10 rebounds. And and you're not lying. The, the the numbers are starting to show that Harrison Barnes is starting to adjust to his new team. Just over to his new team. Just over his last three games, the guy's averaging 17.3 points, 8.7 rebounds. Two of which of those were a double double. You know, a 15 and 10, and then 22 and 10 against the Knicks. But 17.3, 8.7 rebounds, 2.33 pointers while shooting what 52 percent from the field, almost 53 percent from the field. Like that's an incredible number to go after. If we can see this Harrison Barnes. Till the end of the season, the Kings are going to stay as a fighting chance to make the playoffs, which now brings me to the next topic here, Steph, because the Kings are struggling a little bit, and you're bringing up articles that you're working on. I'll tell you the one that I am. I'm working on how, although the Kings are still struggling, I'm taking a few positives out of some of these losses. Not not necessarily the Clippers' loss, although... I mean, they got punched in the mouth pretty hard and, and decided to fight their way back in the fourth quarter a little bit. But a mo- for a majority of these losses, how they've stayed in and how they've stayed fighting and how they've had a potential to win, especially against Milwaukee, which is the number one team in the NBA, to go into an overtime game and lose by one, that was just incredible. But they're starting to fall back in the standings here, Steph. Do you believe they will make the playoffs still? Do you still truly believe that now three games back for the Spurs on the eighth seed, three and a half games back to the Clippers for the seventh seed. Do you think they're going to be in one of those spots? So I first want to start off by saying I really do think that the Clippers have locked in the seventh seed. I think they deserve it. They earned it. And But I want to look at the Spurs then as that eighth seed. That's who we're chasing in my mind. Now, the Spurs are really weak on the road. They're a great home team, but on the road, they're 11-22 and 22 this season. They've got a, a tough stretch ahead of them. They've got Atlanta tomorrow, and interestingly, the Vegas odds have Atlanta versus the Spurs at Atlanta as an even like head-to-head matchup, so it's a toss-up in Vegas. That goes to show what Vegas thinks, that the Spurs really just, you know, Atlanta's not, they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. Trey Young's balling right now. He's doing his thing. He's really found his groove. And John Collins, another great player. They got a lot of talent there. Vince Carter, for his age, he's just putting up incredible numbers. But I think we're going to start to see some losses come the Spurs' way. The Nets is a tough game for them. The Bucks are a tough game. And, you know, if the Kings can come in just one game behind or maybe, like, dead even 
when they play the Spurs later this month, then I think the Kings stand a fighting chance to make the playoffs, and I will take those odds any day. Yeah, the Kings are going to need to take advantage over their next five games, which this will probably, these next five games, it's going to come down to a majority of these big three that are coming up, actually. So you have the Boston Celtics coming in today, probably when you guys are listening to it on Wednesday, but we're recording on Tuesday, so tomorrow. Uh, They play the Celtics at home tomorrow, Wednesday. Then they go up against the Knicks in New York on Saturday and then face off against the Wizards. Those three games are very big for me because after that, then they got the Celtics again and then they got the Sixers to end up their next five games, which is normally where we do the Kings Week. We've kind of pushed away from the Kings Week segment for all of our Kings Court podcast listeners. Uh, That will be coming back. It's just been such a crazy year trying to find the the format in which we are going to continue to do this show, and I think we found it by doing a little bit more video and a little bit more audio like on both sides of it all. So the Kings Week segment will be coming back. We're working on transitions for the video side of it all. So stay tuned. That's still coming. But those next five games, Celtics, Knicks, Wizards, Celtics, Sixers, these are a big five games in my opinion because they have to win three out of these next five. And facing off against the Celtics twice and the Sixers, it is must win for against the Knicks and against the Wizards. Do you agree? Oh, completely agree. I'm maybe a little too confident that the Kings are going to beat the Celtics tomorrow. Celtics are playing a back-to-back. They first got the Warriors. Never an easy matchup. Although, you know, as we were recording this right before, the Celtics were up, I think, like 25 against the Warriors. So maybe the starters will get to rest a little bit. Hopefully not. But um, it's uh, New York and Boston away. That's what scares me a little bit. Philadelphia... Even though it's a back-to-back, if you watch them, the starting five, they struggle defensively, which is weird. Because whenever Joel Embiid, who is an elite rim protector, uh, for whatever the reason is, they they are struggling a little bit. I think they're still trying to find their way of communicating with one another. J.J. Reddick's a little bit of a liability. Teams are uh, learning how to target him and put him in pick-and-roll situations and whatnot, posting him up, so... You know, if the Kings can play smart against the 76ers, I'm actually pretty confident that it'll at least come down to the wire in the fourth quarter, and Grant Napier is going to say, we've got a dandy. That's what I'm hoping for. As long as the (laughs) Kings have a fighting chance, I'll be proud of them. Um, And with that said, though, I really think, though, that the Kings can win four out of the next five. Four out of the next five. You're saying they're winning winning the Celtics, Knicks, Wizards. Are they beating the Celtics again, or are they beating the Sixers? What, What four are they winning? See, that's that's where it's a toss-up. I honestly really want to say, like, if the Kings play their A-plus, you know, game, they come hard, 48 minutes, just flying up and down the court, then they could win 5 out of 5, no doubt. But the 76ers or the Celtics, it's a toss-up. I'm really hoping that the Kings beat the Celtics, so that way, you know, they give themselves, like, a little bit of a cushion. Like, if they lose to the 76ers, oh, well, we went 4-5 and five on the road. We can still hold our heads up high, give ourselves a fighting chance for the playoff still, but it's honestly the Celtics at the Garden. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say the Celtics is who the Kings lose to, but they surprise and stun the league and beat the 76ers on a back to back in Philadelphia. In Philly. That must be a rest day for some of those guys. I think defensively, the Sixers are really scary. 
Now, I, I do agree with you. If they're going to win four out of five, I think it's actually going to be against the Celtics. They have the best chance to beat the Celtics only due to the fact that, you're right, the Celtics are coming in on Wednesday night on the second night of a back-to-back after looks like they're destroying the Warriors by like 30 right now. This is ridiculous. And then on top of that, when they play them again, they play them on Wednesday or on Thursday. So they'll they'll play on Monday. The Kings will play on Monday against the Wizards, and then they don't play again. They get three days off, two or two days off, Tuesday and Wednesday, and don't play again until Thursday to, to face the Celtics. So they're gonna have that that period to basically breathe, you know, file up a game plan and and say go here we go. So I think. I think if it's going to be any four-game win, it's going to have to be the Celtics twice because that, that's the best way they're going to see a win. Now, it would be pretty crazy, though, if they can beat the Sixers because although the Sixers are still trying to put together pieces, from some people that I talk to, you could start seeing Ben Simmons take a night off here and there just because they know they're making the playoffs at this point and they want their young legs to stay fresh and stay ready heading into the playoffs because... There's there's a chance that the Sixers could be playing the Celtics in round one, which is crazy to think about. So that that, that would be a great playoff series for round one. I great know. TV. That's so I would early. love it. That's so early. In my, I mean, four or five right now. That's it. That's exactly what it is. It's Sixers Celtics in round one. And props to the Pacers for keeping that uh, three seed. Didn't think that was going to happen. I mean, it's still up in the air. But yeah, they're with half a game all the depot out. Go ahead. I said they're a half a game ahead of the Sixers right now. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, hey, if they hold on to that three seed, which it really looks like they could, I mean, they're playing great basketball. Yeah, I think at this point, the Pistons are hoping that the Celtics stay at four, and the Celtics are hoping that the Sixers go to three. I think that's that's where it is right now. I think the Pistons would rather face the Pacers in the first round. I think the Celtics would rather face the Pacers in the first round, which is I mean, fair, it's understandable, but at the same time, the Pacers' defense has just gone to a whole nother level, even with, you know, Oladipo going out. I feel like it's more, I guess it's more Nuggets-esque because they don't really have a superstar, although the Nuggets do, and I think that's why they're so good in the Western Conference because they have Jokic, but they're just a team where they play for one another. There's not that one player that's outplaying the rest. It's literally keep moving the ball until we find that open shot and that person will make it because you never know who's going to go off. Is it going to be Collison, Bogdanovich? Is it going to be Sabonis, Turner? So you never really know with that team, and that's why I like watching the Pacers, and I think that's why they've continued to win. But at the same time, it's also the Eastern Conference, so it's a little bit easier to, to, <laughs> gather, to gather up wins. Yeah, you're not wrong. And yeah, I love watching the Pacers too. I mean, Nate McMillan, he's done an incredible job. And they're just an entertaining team to watch right now. After these five games, though, and th- this is the reason why I think the Kings' next five games after the you know the Sixers on Friday, 3-15, uh, that's the date, guys, not the time that starts. After that, you got the Chicago Bulls in Sacramento. You got it's it's just a homestand for the next four games. Where you got the Bulls, the Nets, two winnable games. The Mavericks is a winnable game, and of course the Suns. Well, they always seem to give the Kings fits. They've also been destroyed by the Kings. The Kings are able to light them up at any given time. So those four games will be big, and then it's the Lakers big game, Mavs again, Pels. Like the Kings schedule gets a lot lighter towards the end, and it's just going to be up to them to take advantage. That's why I say. These five games where it has a mixture of winnable games and very tough games where I'm not going to say they're not winnable because the Kings have shown that they can stay in any matchup this season and that's why they're fighting for a playoff spot. 
that's why these next five games are critical to me, in my opinion, because the end of the season, their schedule gets a lot lighter, a lot easier. You might start seeing the Rockets take nights off because it looks like they're going to just lock down probably, what, the four seed, three seed? I mean, they're, they're, they're in a tie right now with Oklahoma City, so that'll be interesting to watch. But I don't think they're really looking at that. I think they're going to go for best matchup to move on. I just I just think that this te- this Kings team is going to be fighting for their playoffs lives over this next week, this next upcoming week. So I'm very intrigued to see what they do. Yeah, I'm more curious though to see how they handle the pressure. Right. You know, I mean that that defines a young team right there. If you're able to handle the pressure now, then that means that they are a scary team to uh, face off in the playoffs too. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. These next five games on the road, I mean, these these games, I'm really excited, though. I mean, I love it. March, being able to be excited about a Kings team that, you know, has playoff potential, just it doesn't get any better after the past 12 seasons. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that Sacramento gets to, you know, live in that moment of the Kings being a playoff team again because while it's nice to see, like, hey – you know, this Kings team got talent, they have potential. At the same time, you don't know if this is going to transfer over to next year. So because the West is so deep, the talent in the Western Conference is incredible. It's far superior to the to the talent that's out East right now. You don't know if they can continue this next year. So you're really hoping as people that live in Sacramento and as Kings fans that they're able to do it. So I'm very interested to see what they can do there. But we're running short on time here, Steph. I really want to get your thoughts on something that's coming up here pretty soon, and that's the 2019 March Madness Tournament. I ha- I mean, ob- the obvious guys that you'll be watching, Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, John- Jay Moran, uh, Mor- Morant, I can't ever pronounce his name in a fast pace, Cam Reddish. Like, There's a lot of names. While a lot of people say this draft class isn't very deep, I feel like this draft class has a lot of versatile scorers. And, and and a lot of like sturdy, I don't, I don't want to say that like strong defenders because I haven't seen any lockdown defenders on in college yet, and I've watched a little bit just because I have college channels. But what who are some players you're keeping an eye eye on when the March Madness tournament tips off? So there's one person I want to mention first, and before I state his name, it's because of how perfect of a fit. Just him and the Kings are. It's like it's meant to be. He's not the sexiest player. You know, he doesn't have the best all-around skill set. Now, we are talking about second-round draft picks for the Kings, but... Wait, wait, wait. Can I guess? Go ahead. Is it Schofield from Tennessee? No, it's not. I wish. I love Schofield, but he's... I'll, I'll help you out. He's from uh, UNC, North Carolina, so... Hmm. Hmm. Is he a small forward? Uh, small forward and power forward. Mm, from uh, I'm gonna his last name Johnson, first name Cameron. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, let's go. I'm so smart. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. You look at Cameron Johnson and his draft analysis, and compare it to Harrison Barnes. It is identical. It's kind of scary how identical the two are when you look at draft reports from uh, various scouts. So that's like the primary reason why I love Johnson is because Johnson and Barnes are so similar. Harrison Barnes is going to miss time. If he's our future, you know, versatile 3-4 guy, 
for the Kings for the next four years. He's going to miss time. He's going to need rest. Injuries come and go. It happens. To be able to plug someone in like Johnson, who has almost the same identical skill set, makes coaching so much easier. On top of that, he shoots unbelievable from beyond the three-point line. He's shooting at, I think last I checked, it was 47%. He's up to 48.1 right now on 5.6 attempts per game. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And the shooting mechanics, I mean, it's just perfect. You honestly couldn't just... I don't know what to say. I honestly don't. Like, I can't think of anything else to say other than so, it's just perfect. Smooth, fluid, fast, can catch and shoot, put it on the dribble, pull up. I mean, he can do it all from beyond the arc. I mean, so let me ask you. One- let me ask you this about him because I, I've had I've had my eye on him a little bit just because you're right. It is the second round. There's not a lot of names that you can you know say, hey, this is gonna definitely be the guy, and you don't know if the Kings are going to make a move. So, I mean, obviously I've kept my eye on a, on a little bit of everybody here and there because I like a lot of these young players. But with Cameron Johnson, the one question I do have is how versatile do you think he is? Because, yes, you're right, he can play the, the three and the four at six, eight. But, at t- I mean, this may just be me, but at, I, I feel like he's more of just the small forward. But he doesn't have... He doesn't have a base to defend. Like the the quickness is there. I think he moves well up and down. I just I just feel like he it's gonna take him a year or two to develop an NBA body. Do you agree? I mean, he is two hundred and ten pounds, so I could be one hundred percent wrong. Just the way I've played or see him play, it just seems as if he doesn't have the NBA body and the NBA base. Which and that and the reason why I say that's a little bit of a concern is because this is his what fourth year. In college right yeah. now, this is he's a senior. So, I mean, you would think at some point it would already have been there. I mean, think of the four-year players that come out and have just been NBA ready to go, and I'm just going to go to Damian Lillard right off the top of the head. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are always ready, and not necessarily with the NBA body, but with the NBA base where they know that how to take a hit. Sometimes it just looks like he's afraid of the contact, and that could just be because of the games that I've seen. But what are, what is your response to something like that? So, in response, I agree, like, you know, that's what everyone sees, and it's a little worrying that his body isn't exactly where you'd want it to be. But you look on the defense side, that's where I'm going to look primarily. On the perimeter, it's not good. Quicker guards and isolation or pick and rolls will be able to blow by him in the NBA. There is no doubt about that. And a lot of it, though, has to do with his stance and his hands. He's got real lazy hands. If they aren't really active, like Harry Giles, for example. Harry Giles has incredibly active hands. And it is a beautiful thing to watch for Kings fans. He gets so many deflections. Cameron Johnson puts him out there, and he doesn't do much with them. On top of that, his stance is really poor, so he's got a bad center of gravity. He's easy to like um, shift one way. And once he's shifting towards you know one side, he's easy to cut back on. He can't keep up with a quicker guy. I mean, so what I'm trying to say is they are fixable traits. It's fixable to fix, no, oh, I'm sorry, this sounds real bad. No, 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 because you're, you're, I, I get what you're saying, because this is the same thing that was brought up last year about Marvin Bagley, and if you listen to the last show that we just did recently with James Ham and how he and I kind of got into a little, you know, uh, disagreement over the, the draft analysis of Marvin Bagley, because it's kind of like the same thing, like with Marvin Bagley, it just seemed like he, he knew where he wanted to be, the effort was there, but he just didn't have it. I mean, it just looked like he couldn't take contact. He didn't have the arms length to, to block shots. It just seemed like he was really reliant on his athleticism where now 
now watching him, I was 100% wrong. I've ate my words. Defensively, he is showing promise, and I give a huge amount of credit to Dave Yeager's staff for that. But with Cant, like, it's not just the base. And you're right. It's not just the fact. And, and you're right. It's actually there's the fact that you don't see his hands very active defensively. He just does not seem to be engaged. Where at this time last year, while I was saying that Bagley was a bad defender, I always preference it by saying the energy on that end didn't seem like he didn't want to be there. It just seemed like he didn't know what exactly he needed to do, and that was always going to be a problem. But at the same time, he was 19, and I had to come to that realization where I just can't just judge talent because of talent. I have to judge talent by the full package, and James, and I mean my words, and James made me realize that on the last show. But do you think that even though it's four years in, Steph, that he is going, like, have you seen improvements since watching him now? Like, since you've been put on his radar, you've now watched him a couple times, have you seen improvement in each game? And that's why you've started to really follow him and say, this is the perfect fit guy. I've seen improvement, but I will admit it's not as much as I would have liked to see. And this is especially for someone who's been in college ball for so long. And so because of that, it does worry me. But I'm going to turn to the offensive side a little bit. I see the potential on defense because of the offense. He has got some amazing footwork. And they are quick, light feet. And they can move. And he can contort his body in a manner that you don't normally see with people his size. And so because of that, that's what gives me really, and I really hope it's not a false hope, but that's what gives me hope on the defensive side. And I'm just like, there's so much potential. And he's shown in flashes too. I will, I will say this. He has shown that he can play defense when he really wants to get a stop, especially against the quicker guards. So... There's potential. I'll take it. It's second round. We can't expect too much, but I love Cameron Johnson as one of the potential Kings draft picks for uh, this upcoming draft. Definitely. And it's a lot harder to judge talent when it's second round talent. Like a lot of people will say, well, well, you know, you're just judging players, judging players, but like there's definitely a distinction between, oh, this guy is a for sure first round player because of this, this, and this, and knowing like, hey, this guy's for sure a second round player because look, we're naming off like we haven't seen a big improvement, but there's potential there and you know with with a guy like cam like it he's someone that's for sure going in either the late first or early second which the kings do have the kings have an early second round pick i think they have pick what 37 34 like they have the like in that range like the fourth through seventh pick in the second round in there where that's where cam might be falling so i I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sold. I mean I'm more on Schofield a little bit just because I like Schofield's, you know, NBA ready body. It just seems like he's more NBA ready at this point, but he's you know, these are players that you're gonna want to keep your eye on. We wanna hear from all of you now. What NBA prospects are you are you gonna be keeping tabs on during this March Madness tournament? Is it only gonna be Duke? Is that are they gonna win it all? We wanna hear from you. We're gonna be having dra- draft experts come on here within the next couple weeks just to give a more thoughts on who the Kings should be targeting in that second round. And you know, we're running short on time here, Steph. So before I let you go, first off I wanna say thank you so much for joining the show, joining SatKingsNation.com and all the articles that you've written, but before I let you go, let the fans out there know where they can find you online and uh, what, what you have coming up here in the next couple of days. Yeah, so first off, I'd like to say thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure. And second, they can find me online for those who are on Twitter. Uh, my name's Stephen D. Ferrari. The username is at 
that kid Steph, uh, that kid Steph, all cap like T K S, all capitalized. Um, and I'd love to talk and communicate, and you know, let's talk about the Kings and what you see, and give me a different perspective. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. You guys go follow him. That kid Steph on Twitter. That's Steph De Ferrari. Here on the Kings Court, presented by SackKingsNation.com. This show is also presented to you by BrickHouseIndustries.com. Everyone go to BrickHouseIndustries.com. Use promo code KINGSCOURT and get a 10% discount on any of your purchases. And, hey, if you want to keep up to date with all their latest apparel, be sure to check out all their hats, shirts, and socks and follow them on Twitter and on Instagram at BrickHouse underscore I-N-D. I have been your host, Vince Miracle. You guys can follow me on all social media platforms of at VM Center. Big shout out to Steph DeFerrari for joining the show one more time and joining the Sat Kings Nation team. Everyone go follow that kid Steph on Twitter. It just rolls off the tongue, bro. And until next time, Sacramento Kings fans, bye-bye.